0: listeners, and welcome to the latest episode of Extra Extra. It's all about whiskey. I remain your host, Jason Johnson Yellen. I remain in the company of Joshua Hatton. Hello, Joshua. Hello, Jason. How are you today? I'm tickety boo, and I'm the host. I'll ask the questions. All right. Okay. So you you just answer.
1: All right. So go ahead.
0: In each episode of Extra Extra I'm doing one of brings thank a new you very story. much You just be quiet, you just sit yeah. in the corner And we should, we'll be back <laughs> to you in just a second In each episode of Extra Extra One of us brings a new story to the attention of the other Often whiskey focused We read it in the first half, we riff on it in the second half And we always Get out of here in a tight 35 mm-hmm. You can set your watch By us mm-hmm. Maybe the last episode it wasn't quite 35 But other than that, every single one is 35
1: it was a hair over 36. The one before that was 42. So here we are. Run around. Set and roll, your Jason. watch by it.
0: You should see my watch. It's all over the damn place. <laughs> so, again, sometimes we mix it up. Most weeks, we mix it up. We do things a little differently around here. We've actually got a couple of good news stories to share today. We we had mentioned in the last episode of One Nation Under Whiskey that we really want to be in the the good news business when it comes to the whiskey industry. And so we endeavoured for today's Extra Extra to have a Mm -hmm. couple of good news stories. But before we jump into it, just like we did in the last episode of Extra Extra, I just wanted to tie a bow around something we'd been talking about in the previous Mm -hmm. issue or episode (laughs) or edition. And we we covered a few stories in the last episode and one of which was compass box and compass box having a new investor and one of the questions we were we were being asked was what does this mean for bicardi uh, and bicardi i think took on a a small role in compass box around about 2015 yeah I think, it was i think I'm april, remembering correctly. i april 2015 they took a minority something, stake yeah. something like that right mm-hmm. And so we, we actually had the same question. It was a question I was going to ask during the episode, and unfortunately it slipped my mind, and then, in in the focus of getting out in a tight 35, I, I let it slide. But I, I should have brought it up. We reached back out to James Saxon, who had brought the news to our attention in our inboxes, and we'd said, we're asking, some of our listeners are asking, what does this mean for Bacardi? And he wrote back, and he said the new investors have bought out Bacardi's investment. So Bacardi are no longer a minor investor in Compass Box. But interestingly, the new CEO who we mentioned in the last episode of Extra Extra Mm -hmm. is a former Bacardi executive. Ah. And he's now taking on the CEO role at Compass Box. There you go. So there's a relationship yeah. there. There's yep. knowledge there. There there's a working uh, understanding of of the needs of Compass Box in there. So Yeah. So as yeah. we said last episode, it, it's always interesting we will watch this space. We'll see what it means for their sourcing. We'll see what it means for the components of their blends. Yeah. When Bicardi came on board, it was kind of like, "Oh, well, there's there's Kregeliki is secured as a component of Compass Box <laughs> Blends. Uh-huh. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see, with Bacardi being bought out, what that means for sourcing relationships moving forward. Yeah, hopefully
1: any contracts in place didn't change and were only improved. So
0: There you go. So that ties a bow on the, the Compass Box news. Bringing our attention back to today's episode, you're going to read an article, Joshua, and then I'm going to read an article. Then we'll take a quick break, and then we'll come back and have a fun conversation for for a bit of time.
1: Good. I, I love that I'm going to be reading the news about things over in <laughs> Scotland, and you'll be reading the news about things happening here in the U.S. Uh, there's a, That's how we keep it fresh. Right? It's nice. So this is an article out of The Herald, Scotland. And it is entitled, Chivas Brothers invests in Speyside malt whiskey distilleries. And the article came out 30th of April. And it was written by one Mark Williamson. And the subheader says, Whiskey giant Chivas Brothers is investing 88 million pounds in two single malt distilleries on Speyside as it ramps up production capacity to meet growing global demand. Mm-hmm. Right? We said we would go positive. That's pretty damn positive. Shivas uh, Brothers said, the investment at the Aberlauer and Milton Duff distilleries will fund, quote, significant production capacity expansions, end quote, and support efforts to reduce emissions associated with the production process. Mm. Just really quickly on the reduce emissions part of that sentence, Listener Ian Bruce sent in uh, a little bit of news uh, a week or so ago, and it was about emissions, you know, more specifically, pot ale and, mm. and, and things surrounded, you know, around that, where it could be used as animal feed or it could be used as fertilizer, but the carbon footprint used to move that pot ale around mm. sort of counters The usefulness of that that emission being used as feed or or as fertilizer. Hmm. Anyway. Interesting. Yeah. Story continues. The company said the investment is further confirmation of its commitment to Scotland and a testament to the growing global demand for scotch whiskey. This has seen exports Mm -hmm. increase across all regions.
0: And we we covered increasing exports earlier this year in an episode. Yeah, we did.
1: Now... Jason, I'm gonna. Well, I'm not gonna apologize to you. I'm gonna apologize to our listeners <laughs> and to basically all people, all French-speaking people, because this person's name is not gonna fit very well in my mouth. And it's a lot of vowels. It's a lot of vowels, and there's even a. Uh, 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 what do they call those? Dash hyphenation. Hyphen. Yeah, I should know that. Given my wife's last name is hyphenated. Anyway, uh, or your business partners. Oh, Jesus, that's, Well, I did say my wife. Anyway. my um, <laughs> <Mala. laughs> So the name is Jean-Etienne. Et, 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 Etienne.
0: Etienne. <laughs> Etienne. That's the only part I know is the Jean-Etienne. <laughs> Jean-Etienne.
1: Georges. Or it could be gorgeous or it could be jugé. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> That French person, who is the chairman and executive of Chivas Regal, said, Scotch has demonstrated its resilience as a category over the past few—it's so funny. I'm trying to read this, and I'm watching you laugh at how I've destroyed this poor person's name. Jean-Étienne, I really, really apologize. Anyway, I will continue. So this person, Jean-Étienne, said Scotch has demonstrated its resilience as a category over the past few challenging years and opened new avenues for growth for the firm, which is owned by Francis Pernod Ricard. Quote, this expansion will allow us to increase our volume to capitalize on the increased demand and interest in Scotch. But also supports our drive to reduce emissions, said Mr Jean Yeah,
0: right. <laughs> said said, <laughs> said Jean Etienne. <laughs> I really should have paid more attention in French class. Um he added I, I took it for six years and I've no idea what you do with G-O-U-R-G-U-E-S. That's I really like your attempt to go with gorgeous though. Gorgeous. Like yeah. Mr. Gorgeous. Right.
1: I mean it, it at the very least. I'm not insulting him. I mean, I'm insulting him by destroying his name, but Gorgeous is nice. (laughs) Anyway, he added, quote, We're once again betting big on the future of Scotch so we can bring in new consumers to the category and continue to shape a sustainable future of whiskey. And that's the end of the quote there. Chivas Brothers plans to double production capacity at Aberlauer. It cited the accelerating global demand for, quote, cult favorite scotch, which continues to be the best-selling single malt whiskey in France and has made significant gains across Asia, end quote. The visitor center at Aberlauer will be upgraded. The company will build a new distillery at Milton Duff next to the existing one. (laughs) Wait, wasn't there already a Milton Duff 2?
0: Maybe they took down Milton Duff 1 when they put up Milton Duff 2. Oh, maybe. It describes Milton Duff single malt
1: as a foundation of the key Ballantine's blends and an
0: important component of other blended whiskeys. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you and I are about to say the same thing here. It's also a cracking little single malt. Oh, it's
1: a cracking single malt. The nine-year-old we did a few years back. Yep. Remarkable, yep. man. Yep. And and you can see why they use it, right? Because it is mm-hmm. so good. The only way to make Agreed. good blends is with good components. Chivas Brothers will install new bio plants at both sites and vapor compression technology which it said enables a major recovery of the energy used in the distillation process. Hmm. The mechanical vapor recompression technology will be used to capture vapor produced in the process so that it can be sent back to heat the stills concerned. Both sites are expected to be operating at full production capacity by mid-2025. A Shivas Brothers spokesperson said, quote, the significant investment into Aberlauer and Milton Duff will have a positive impact on job creation in the region. We expect to share more details on this at a later date. Once more, production modeling has been completed. End quote. And then here, here's the final sentence that highlights uh, the positive impact on job creation. Some 24 people are employed at the distilleries. So if... so. I don't know if they're saying some 24 people are currently employed at the distilleries and therefore the expansion will just, you you know, expand how many people are at the distilleries or if they're planning on adding 24. The way I read it there they're currently 24 and they're only going to have more.
0: Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. There are definitely a a few parts of that that I want to pivot back to in the so-called second half mm-hmm. <laughs> of our 35 minutes together. But I, I want to I pile on the good news, mm-hmm. right? I've got uh, a piece here from April 27 in the Courier Journal in the state of Kentucky with the headline, Heaven Hill Distillery announces plans for a new $135 million distillery in this Kentucky City, Hmm, which that would be a little clickbaity if you just saw that out and about in the world. It also sounds like a a Jeopardy thing, right? (laughs) What is? What is? (laughs) What what is? Let's not give the answer just (laughs) yet. Okay, okay. It's it's in the article. (laughs) Is this a double Jeopardy? Or? (laughs) (laughs) This is video Jeopardy on a podcast. And so our journalist at hand is Dalia Gabor. Uh, from the Louisville (laughs) Courier-Journal. And so they give the location as Bardstown, Kentucky, the location for this story. Nine decades since first operating a distillery in Bardstown, Kentucky, the nation's largest independent family-owned and operated distilled spirits supplier is deepening. It's bourbon roots in the community. Mm -hmm. Heaven Hill Distillery has announced plans for a new $135 million distillery to open by 2024. Mm. I was interested in listening to your article, Joshua, that they're talking mid 2025 for both distilleries being where they want them to be. Here we've got open by 2024. Yep. The distillery will augment Heaven Hill's distilling capacity and marks the company's first return to distilling in Bardstown since a 1996 fire.
1: I think I heard about it.
0: After that. the fire... <laughs> you heard about that fire, Joshua? Yeah. After the fire, Heaven Hill's distilling moved to the historic Bernheim distillery in Louisville while bottling, ageing of whiskey and other functions continued in the Bardstown area. And we wander into a quote here. The people of Bardstown have helped us create and build our brands over all these many years, so it's a special homecoming to bring distilling back to this community, Heaven Hill President Max Shapira said in a release. The quote continues Our new distillery will honour our longtime Bardstown roots while applying state of the art equipment and processes to produce the highest quality American whiskey and build upon our meaningful partnership with Bardstown and the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Mm. Heaven Hill will build the new distillery on a vacant 61-acre site at 1015 Old Bloomfield Pike off Kentucky 245. There you go. Construction is slated to begin this spring and the distillery will be operational by the end of 2024. Initial production is slated for 10 million proof gallons a year or 150,000 barrels and will have the capacity to ramp up to producing 30 million proof gallons or 450,000 barrels over time.
1: Holy crap.
0: <laughs> like, just, just, just to give people
1: a, 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 a quick idea on what that means, Kilhoman Distillery are sitting on around <laughs> 10,000 barrels now. They are wow. 600,000 liters capacity. Now, what Kilhoman does in a year, Kalila Distillery does in two weeks. So if you do the math there and figure out how many, this is far bigger than Kalila, which is one of the larger components in some of the Johnny Walker blends. So you get a, mm-hmm. an idea of the scope of this distillery. Sorry, I know we'll, we'll, we'll have time to riff later, but I just wanted to, to paint a picture for, for our listeners there.
0: Yeah, the, the numbers are, are vast. Heaven Hill will continue to age bourbon at existing locations, and the Bernheim Distillery in Louisville will continue to operate at full capacity. So to your point, not only are you hearing these gigantic numbers for the new distillery... They're going to continue doing what they've been doing at Bernheim, and Bernheim is massive, Massive. absolutely massive. Wow. Wow. Okay. We have a, a quote here. Bourbon making is an old art but we are applying forward-thinking approaches to ensure we are environmentally conscious and a good neighbour, said Heaven Hill master distiller Connor O'Driscoll. The quote returns, Heaven Hill's tradition of distilling with attention to detail, quality and craftsmanship will now be even more accessible as we grow our distilling heritage in Bardstown. Hmm. End quote. Final paragraph before we get out of this half. Founded in Kentucky by the Shapira family in 1935, Heaven Hill Distillery now maintains more than 1.9 million barrels, ageing in 63 warehouses throughout Nelson and Jefferson counties. Heaven Hill Distillery currently holds the title of 2020 Whiskey Advocate Whiskey of the Year, the second Whiskey of the Year for Heaven Hill Distillery, In the past four years Mm, Amazing Cut to a quick break back to the second half, we get to have a little riff here, Joshua, a little chitty chatty with one another. One of my immediate responses to this news for both Scotch and bourbon is paying attention to that 2024 date mm. for, the, for the Heaven Hill distillery, that mid-2025 date. What these large powerful organizations are telling us mm-hmm. is that this demand remains potent and popular and we're still increasing the amount of whiskey needed to satisfy consumers. And here we are sitting here you know we're approaching the middle of 2022. Seeing such bullish responses Mm -hmm. from the industry three years from now makes me feel all right. Makes me feel quite good about where the industry is and where the industry is going.
1: It makes me feel really good too, not just for the industry. You know, when I see numbers like this, when I see investments like this, I have to assume, and, and, and hopefully it's a correct assumption, that these companies, be it be it Pernod Ricard, Bacardi, Heaven Hill, you 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 name the the parent company when they're looking to expand. My hope is that they're 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 talking with economists who really have an understanding of what the global economy is looking like, has an understanding of previous trends, you know, where to look for pitfalls and if that is the case then that's not just good for the industry but it's good for the global economy and 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 people people writ large right um because when you have an economic downturn like you did in the 80s mm-hmm. uh where distilleries were just shuttering shuddering, shuddering, you know my my concern is that people would be investing all of this money only to find out ooh that was a bad investment and i don't think that's the case i think people and by people I mean the industry you hopefully will have learned from the 80s um, before they well, it made is, big moves like this
0: yeah you you, you don't just invest 135 million dollars in a new distillery in Kentucky and cross your fingers that that pays off <laughs> yeah right there's you know the the analyses yeah. that have been conducted here yeah. will have been rigorous And thorough. Uh, (laughs) Go on. Yeah, and we're we're making
1: a comment based on, initially when I made that comment, it was based on, well, here they are probably using their own money. No, they're working with banks. They're working with governments to help them with Mm. this. More than likely, investors, more than likely to help out with this. These are massive corporations, but this isn't a drop in the bucket that we're talking about, right? So so hopefully there's a consensus of people that are seeing a brighter future for for Scotch whiskey and for American whiskey,
0: right? Yeah, it's interesting because, and we've we've talked about this previously in the podcast, you know, we're we're both within the industry, you know, in, in terms of jobs, daily runnings of a whiskey company, but then also consumers. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and and as I look at the... On one hand, we've got the feverish response to bourbon and bourbon releases right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that that can't be maintained. However, new people are getting into bourbon every single day. They're, they're catching the fever as well. Yeah. But then on the other side, the thing we've been hearing for the last few years is that the, the global market for blends is softening. Mm-hmm. And so without growing new countries, blends are softening in their established countries. Yeah. At the same time, the market for blends was such and is such that you could have a softening of that and still have an absolutely gigantic industry that experiences tremendous demand. And so it it's getting my head around as both consumer and industry member mm. of what do those demands look like? What does the future demand look like? And at least for the next three years, five years, and and I would even hazard ten years, we're going to be seeing demand growing on top of demand mm. as one calendar year turns to the next.
1: Well, I guess it
0: depends on what you
1: call a softening, right? I, I, mm-hmm. The fact that Shiva's brothers slash Piranha Ricard are investing eighty eight million dollars. Into one pounds in that case. Sorry, sorry. 88 million pounds. Thank you. Uh, you know, granted, some of that in Aberlour for single malt,
0: mm-hmm. the rest
1: of it mm-hmm. in Milton Duff for blends. Mm-hmm. So maybe blends are softening, but still on a growth trajectory. Maybe we're looking at new markets to grow into. You know, and, and I would argue back to your opening statement about Compass Box. In the past 20 years, Compass Box, I think, has done a good job with single malt drinkers to show people that blends can be great. And my hope is that those single malt drinkers who have dipped their toe back into blends via Compass Box or, or other more artisan blend producers like them are also dipping their toes back into your Ballantines, back into your Johnny Walkers, which we shouldn't be above drinking. They're great whiskeys that keep the industry going, right? So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it'll be interesting to, you know, as we continue with this podcast, we continue looking at stories to see where blends are going as far as trajectory goes, whether it is a softening of the softening, if you will, Uh, or that, you know, hey, we just have a new market in Kazakhstan or, you you know, just Mm -hmm. tossing countries out there. But, you know, hopefully for their sake, we're just expanding globally with it.
0: Well, and I think the other aspect to this growth is the tourism side of it. Yeah, that's true. And the visitors who are turning up at your distillery to walk through it. The Abelaur piece had a bit about um, the visitor center being upgraded. Mm-hmm. Milton Duff as a source of blends doesn't have a visitor center, doesn't get mentioned as as yeah. getting a visitor center. Clearly when you visit Kentucky and you do go to Louisville with Bernheim or you go to... Oh, although Bernheim isn't open to visitors. Is that no. right? I'm, yeah, I don't I don't think that right. it is. You go to Bargetown and you get the Heaven Hill experience. Exactly. And you see who's employed there. And you see oh, what bottlings are available for the first five seconds when they open their doors in the morning and the <laughs> queue reaches the parking lot. Uh-huh. Um, there, there, done there, there are... Right, right. The, the tourism side of this is key as well. And so it's it's setting these up as attractions that and again, you and I've talked about that as well. I remember when we talked about Brazil you know really really growing and, and taking on a greater share of, of consumers that that's potential tourists for Scotland yeah. you know as, as as bourbon gets discovered in more countries around the world that's more potential visitors to Kentucky that's putting money into hotels that's putting it into restaurants mm-hmm. that's putting it into bars it's it's a rising tide as they say yeah it it makes me think of
1: Pendain out of Wales who just opened up a second distillery uh, in <laughs> I always slaughter this Hlandudno, and are that opening bad, up yeah. a, a third distillery in Swansea, mm-hmm. and and the idea behind there, if you look at the new distillery in Chlondunno, there aren't a ton of stills there. They're not producing a lot of whiskey, mm. but they are just across the border from Manchester and you know other larger uh, English cities, right? It's bringing your tourists in come to Swansea, you check out a football game, what else can you do there? Check out the distillery. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think tourism Mm -hmm. plays a big part in what these distilleries are looking for when it comes to expansion, not just more liquid to put into mouths, of course that's going to happen, but bring people to the distillery. Go to the restaurants, like you said. Fill hotel rooms, right? It's, it's It's only good for Bardstown, it's good for the town of Aberlauer, the town of Where's Milton Duff? Hmm. I I just don't know if it's on my head. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, but but this is just just to you know support your point here. Uh, I think it's great for tourism and for the service industry, right? Which has taken such a massive hit mm-hmm. over the past two almost two and a half years, thanks to COVID. Right. It's nice to see that um, confidence in in tourism and, and coming back of the service industry.
0: Well, and that that was a consideration for me as we're reading this and, and as we're talking about building and we're talking about tourism and I think about our friends at Holyrood and and we think about you know, gosh they're mm. right there in Edinburgh you yeah. talk about you know you know, huge volume of foot traffic that they never in their wildest imagination dreamt they would lose. Yeah. With a, with a global pandemic. Yeah, yep. And so, you know, our, our friend Jean Etienne with Shiva's with Brothers is busy talking about, look at the way whiskey has, has withstood the last couple, and I think soon few difficult years. Mm-hmm. That's whiskey being produced and matured and bottled and shipped off to markets and consumed in homes. how how confident are you? Clearly, they are confident of that tourism returning, that pandemic ultimately being solved to some degree, or at least we learn how to live with some, again, softer version of this uh, as we move forward and, and another one rears its head and we roll with the punches. I think... As an industry, we've learned a ton these last couple and Mm -hmm. and soon few years. And I could see that being implemented in future as well. And I think Mm -hmm. that could be lending itself to some of the confidence that we're seeing in place with these expansions. Yeah. Anything on the environmental side that, that catches your eyes? Both posts talk about it. A little shy on details, but they both cover it.
1: Yeah, well, I I think what they're talking about is a trend that's been growing for the past few years. You know, these aren't the first distilleries. You know, back to the piece on the Herald, uh, these aren't the first two distilleries where I've heard mention
0: of recapturing, you know, heated yeah. water. Well, even the, the, the bio plants being mentioned, and I see bio plant and I think about... Brooklady and and I mm-hmm. think about the water treatment that's happening at Glenfarclas. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's I I like I like that eye towards climate towards the environment and and I like what um, the person at Heaven Hill said the the master distiller there said yeah. O'Driscoll. Want, yeah, O'Driscoll Connor O'Driscoll wants to be a good neighbor. I really mm-hmm. like that. What what a nice mm-hmm. way of of putting that and. It's just having a thoughtfulness, right? Here, we have this money. We're going to build this distillery. What can we do to ensure we're not putting a negative impact on those around us? I love that.
0: Do you remember the last time we were at Maker's Mark and we were talking to Denny Potter? Mm-hmm. Was Denny talking about water treatment that they were they were uh, investing in at Maker's Mark? I uh, seem to recall that, yes. And I think it was effluent, effluent that he yeah, was effluent. talking about at Maker's Mark. Yeah, yeah. It, it, See that. Go ahead. Go on. Sorry. No, no, no. You go. That—that's the part that I really like. Where, you know, I—I I, I know that, I know that not everybody likes it when we talk about these being factories running <laughs> a product, right? And I, I know not everybody likes that. Yeah. There's, there's also this part about. Master distillers becoming these superstars who are out touring the world that, mm-hmm. that was Mickey Heads's comment, right? Yep. And I know John Campbell felt that when he was with Lefroy. It's great when you visit these same people at the distillery, yeah and they're engineers. yes, and they are they're so geeky about the processes that they are running. Gordon Bruce, right. Mm-hmm right right <laughs> yeah. not not just as people putting out a a liquid product mm-hmm. that fans and consumers want to get excited about but as people who can solve an equation and as people who can limit the energy in yeah. so that they can solve a water problem that's that's cropped up along the way mm-hmm. like And and I I really don't have an engineering bone in my body, but I love listening to them being engineers. And I I love hearing the way they want to solve engineering problems within their distilleries. Yeah. And so to have Denny Potter, who could walk into a place like Jack Rose and be, you know, (laughs) and be a bit overwhelmed by the hero worship that happens, like... For him to be in his element talking about solving an effluent problem at the Maker's Mark distillery, (laughs) it's the much less sexy side of the industry. But he was geeking out on that. Yeah, I love that. I I love him shouting, well,
1: not shouting at the rooftops, but being proud about (laughs) MacGyvering his way out of things. And, And you hear all of them doing that. So...
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's really awesome to see. So, so there we go. It's. I think we've done a, a nice job here with some good news. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're clearly we're clearly going to wrap it up uh, on the tight thirty five mark here. <laughs> if you'd like to be like uh, Ian Bruce or or even our, our friend James Saxon and, and reach out to us, you can you can reach us at questions. At one nation under whiskey.com. No e Ian Whiskey. You can drop us a, a quick missive, a short note to info at singlecastnation.com. But I remain Jason Johnston Yellen. You remain Joshua Hatton. Joshua as always, Hatton, as always. Our dear listeners remain very dear to us, uh, as does this industry. Mm. Sometimes I feel like we, we have peaks and we have troughs and we have. Good stories and difficult stories. And we have covered some lovely news this day. So until next time, Joshua Hatton, we are out of here. And we say thank you to our dear listeners. And as become our new tradition, we get out of here by saying... Peace.